So, finishing up a series uh, called Reset. And basically the whole premise behind the series is simply this. Uh, every now and then you have to reset, right? It's kind of like when you, when you reboot an electronic device to take it back to what it was, what it was created to do, right? Like that was, that was what happened today when, when I kept calling for the video. I knew it wasn't human error. I knew it wasn't my friend Stephanie's fault back there. She got the spinning pinwheel of death. You ever had the spinning pinwheel of death on your computer? It's the worst feeling, right? So anyway, sometimes you just have to reset. Sometimes you just have to start over and go back to the basics. And for us, going back to the basics when it comes to the things of the Lord, it is understanding why we do what we do. How many of you guys understand that understanding why we do what we do is absolutely important, correct? If you don't understand why you do it, then you won't do it anymore. Bottom line. It will become an inconvenience. You will soon forget about it. If there is no reason, then you will not do it, right? If there's no reason to go to the gym, you're not going to go to the gym and put yourself through all the trouble of sweating and hurting. And when you hit, hit 40 and, and you can hurt yourself turning your head looking at something, you, you, know, you don't even have to get sore by going to the gym anymore. You could just, you know, sneeze and that does it. So... If you don't, if, if there's no reason to go to the gym, if there's no why for going to the gym, then guess what? You don't do it anymore, right? If there's no, no reason for doing, going to work, if there's no why for going to work, you darn sure ain't going to do that, are you? No. So you have to have the why of everything that you do. So we've talked about the why of some things. Week one was, was why walk in obedience, um, that was an amazing day. We baptized like 10 people. We dedicated babies. It was just, it was a beautiful, beautiful day. Week two, we talked about why we worshiped. That was Pastor Melissa. She did an absolutely amazing job. Week three, we talked about why we get in the word. Why is the word of God important? And um, week four was last week. We talked about why we share our faith. I thought we had a great day last week. And, uh, and today I'm going to finish with one. And, um, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step on toes. And um, Wes wore steel-toed boots to church today, so he came ready. Uh, I hope you did too. It's my job to challenge us. It's also my job to, to, give, us, to give us everything we need to respond to that challenge, right? That's, that's my job is to, is to help do that. And, uh, and so today, we're going to talk about a very important one. We're going to talk about why we serve. Why we serve. Now, understand, <laughs> I had somebody ask me today, I'll give, I'll give a sneak, pre, sneak peek of my message every now and then. So somebody asked me, like, what are, we, what are we talking about today? And I said, well, we're talking about today. I don't know where I said, well, we're talking about why we serve. He goes, seems to me like you've talked about that a lot recently. And here was my reply. Well, when we catch that, I'll move on to a different thing. Right? When we catch that, we'll move on to something else. Once we get that one figured out, we can move on. I will tell you this, the, the, there, there's a phrase that 20% of the people do 80% of the work in church. Have you heard that? I don't, I don't think that's happening here. We have a lot of people involved in ministry and a lot of people doing great things, but I believe that when you understand why we're called to serve and the effect that it has on you and the, the effect that it has on those you're serving, it changes everything, and I believe that, that it's even more important than, than what you think it is. And so that's what we're going to talk about. So when we're looking at why we serve, the first thing you need to understand is that Jesus gives us the example of a heart to serve. How many of you knew that? 
Jesus doesn't just say, be a servant. He doesn't just say that you should serve others. He came and was the example of what it's supposed to look like to do that. Amen? He was the example. And when, when he came, he, he led by that example. Matthew 20, chapter, chapter 20, verse 28 says, Just as a son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. There's no wiggle room there. You know what I'm saying? There's no gray in that statement. Do you agree? It's, it's plain. It's plain. It plainly states that Jesus' main objective was to come and to serve, not to be served, not to, not to have people adore him and not to have people serve him, but that he would come and adore his people and serve them. Agreed? Let me hear the rocks rattle if we agree. Okay, good, good, good. When you understand who Jesus is, that statement becomes all the more profound. We're talking about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We're, we're talking about Jesus, y'all, right? Fact of the matter is this. I'm gonna, this is one that you may want to write down. Um, blew me away when the Lord dropped this in my spirit. Jesus was worthy of the crown and scepter, but instead chose the basin and the towel. Worthy of the crown and scepter. You can take pictures of that and insta face it if you want or chaps at it, whatever you got to do. It never gets old. It's still fun to say. You can do that. Worthy of the crown and scepter, but instead chose the basin and towel. What, what on earth does that mean? What that means is he was worthy to have a king's reception. But when he came here, he chose to take a towel and he chose to take a basin and fill it with water, and he chose to wash people's feet instead. He was worthy of the crown, worthy of royalty, worthy of kingship, but instead chose servanthood. How amazing is that? Jesus chose that. King of kings, Lord of lords, and took the lowest possible job you can find. Understand that that is as entry-level in biblical times as you can possibly get, washing somebody's feet. Understand, they didn't have Nike Airs back then, okay? They didn't have Pumas. They didn't have Adidas. They had, they had uh, sandal straps, and, and that was about it. And they didn't, have, they didn't have blacktop. They had the same roads that the people drove or walked were the same roads that the animals were on. It paints a kind of a dusty, nasty picture, Right? And so people in those biblical times would walk into a house and the first thing they would do is the lowliest of lowly servant would come and wash everybody's feet. And so Jesus, being king of kings and lord of lords, still chose the, the, the lowest of the low in his act of service. Isn't that amazing? No? Are you guys here today? Okay. I know what it is. I'm talking to you guys about serving and you feel like I'm about to sell you a car. What can I do to have you take this ministry home today? That's what it feels like. We would be wise to follow Jesus' example. Amen? Because here's the truth. We are worthy of the basin and the towel, yet we think we deserve the crown and the scepter. You didn't see that one coming, did you? Back up! Think about it, though. 
We're worthy of the, we're worthy of the basin and the towel. And we think we belong with the crown and the scepter. We think we belong in the throne. Fact of the matter is we do not. It would be wise for us, what does the scripture say? Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to. In fact, think of others more highly than yourself. Right? And if we walk into this world thinking everybody owes us something and people should be serving us and people should be, should be serving our purpose. And understand, when I challenge you guys to serve, I'm not talking about you serving me. My job is to serve you. There are limits. Okay? There are limits. But that's my job. So I'm asking you to come alongside me. I'm not asking you to do it for me. You do this as to the Lord anyway. Amen? People are like, yeah, but what are you about to ask us to do? I'll just let you think that. Let that one marinate a little bit, let you ponder on it. But the fact of the matter is, is, is if the Savior of the world came to serve, what makes us think our calling should be any different? Right? Our Savior, our King, our Lord, the one that everything that we are and everything that we believe is centered around. If his heart was to come to not be served but to serve, what on earth makes us think we should be doing anything else? Anything else. Understand this, guys. Yeah, it, it, it is the truth. Jesus gives the example. We are called to serve, but serving leads to great things. Serving leads to amazing things. Do you know that? I'm telling you, one of the coolest things I've ever seen is when somebody steps into serving for the first time and it's like Aladdin, a whole new world. <laughs> Rug floating by. Never I'm sorry, I get carried away. It's a whole new world to them. They're like, man, I feel like I belong. I feel like I'm connected. I feel like I'm pleasing God. I'm getting to know other people that I'm serving alongside. And it is absolutely life-changing. It's one of my favorite things to watch. And I'm like, PT, I don't know why I didn't serve sooner. I'm like, I know, I've been wondering that too. <laughs> Why don't you just listen to me when I talk to you? <laughs> you feel like you repeat the same thing. I remember there was a kid who was in my youth group, and I'm not going to point his name out or anything, but he was, in, he was a teenager in my youth group, and uh, his name rhymes with Josiah Sherman. <laughs> and I remember I was on this kick where I was just really hitting hard, Jeremiah 29, 11, for like a whole series, right? Preached until I was blue in the face. End of the series, a guest speaker comes in in our youth group, and what does he speak on? Jeremiah 29, 11. And Josiah comes up to me at the end. He's like, PT, how amazing is that that God loves me and has a plan for my life? I never realized that. I'm like, you never realized it? I've been telling you that for a month. You remember it, don't you? You remember that day, don't you? I almost hung it up that day. I was like, yeah, I'm done here. Plus size modeling, here we go, I'm done. Can't do it anymore. Oh, Josiah, I love you. 
Serving leads to great things. And when you realize it, here's, it, here's what it does. It le- serving, when we serve, it leads to great things within us, but also great things in those that we serve. And that's what's amazing, right? In fact, Jesus is challenging his disciples, and he's saying, you know, everybody tries to lord power over one another, but he says this, he says, yet it shall not be so amongst you, but whoever desires to become great amongst you, let him be your what? Servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Matthew chapter 20, verses 26 and 27, it precedes the other thing that I read about Jesus, that he came to, he came to, to serve but not be served. Simply put, serving leads to greatness within us. In fact, uh, a great quote. Dr. Martin Luther King said this, everybody can be great because anybody can serve. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. It leads to greatness within us. And I'm telling you, I am the man I am today because I decided to take the step to serve. Many of you are who you are today because you you gave God your yes. I've served with some amazing people over the years. I'm telling you what, the team that I serve with now are absolutely phenomenal. My team that I serve with, I am so blessed to have each and every one of them. But they are on my team because at some point in time they said yes I will give God my yes, and I will give him my time, my talent, my treasures, and I will let God use me to impact those around me. And it has been absolutely amazing watching all these guys become the people that God's called them to be. Absolutely phenomenal. But it all starts with saying, I'm going to step into this and let God do what God wants to do. Amen? So so it's greatness within us, but also greatness within others. If we choose not to serve, we rob those we are called to serve of our gifts and abilities. Do you understand you have gifts and abilities? I always thought I had absolutely no talent whatsoever. But I got a pretty good Bobby Boucher from Waterboy, so I got that going for me. Well, I only want to do that for you, but yeah, yeah, I'll do that for you. So, I mean, not bad, right? So there's my gift and ability. What do you have to offer the world? I also can do uh, Matthew Foley, the van down by the river, but we'll save that for another time. Some of you have no idea what that is. Oh my gosh. But you have gifts and you have abilities and you have, you have these things that, that the world needs. And when you say, you know what, I'm not going to do it, you're robbing them of what you have. You're like, PT, I don't have anything. What can you do? Can you stand there and hold something? Yeah, then there's your gift. Stand there and hold it. Hold what? I don't know. Just hold it. Whatever we need you to hold, just stand there and hold it and look pretty. That's what I do whenever I help Wes with construction. I stand there and hold it and look pretty. That's what I do. Everybody's happier because of it. But here's the fact of the matter. Everyone wants the benefits of of servanthood, but not everyone wants to put in the effort. And that's the rub right there. Why is it? This is the, the, we're about to enter into the toe-stepping portion of our sermon. Why is it that when Wes is begging people to help him, uh, men to do a, to do a work day with us, we, we get two guys? Why is that? 
when I know, I know what some of you are capable of doing, why is it that, that two people show up? And why is it when we're looking for safety team members to help keep our building safe in the middle of service, we have to go to people and say, hey, you, I need your help, and they'll finally do it? Why? Why is it when we're looking for kids' ministry? Well, that one's kind of self-explanatory. Kids' ministry is not my calling either by any stretch. They either think I'm a jungle gem or the Antichrist and no, nothing in between. Like they, are either, they either catch a glimpse of me and turn and run or think they can punch me in the face. There's no middle ground. So it's just not for me. But why do we have to beg to get help? What? More than that, let's take it outside the four walls. Why does your school have to beg for volunteers when you're a man or woman of God and there are kids in your school system that need your godliness right now? Some of those boys don't have a father. They don't have somebody that they can look at and be like, I want to be like that. Why can't it be you? Oh, PT, I got a job. Everybody's got a job. We all do. We got the same 24 hours. What are you doing? Can't do anything, but man, I, can, I, can, I used to be awesome at baseball. Then why aren't you coaching a Little League team? They're dying for people. And that's how you make your mark. I just got done coaching junior high football. Had an absolute blast. It was amazing. Those kids do more for me than I'll ever do for them. It was horrible when I, when I saw that uh, one of the kids I coached his father in, in junior high football and senior high football as well. That was a rough realization. <laughs> got to be ready for those. That's a sucker punch you didn't see coming. But why, why does your school have to beg you to come and help? Why? You can make a mark. You can be a light and a witness. And, and I'll just say this. I want you to serve in this building, but if this is the only place where you're serving, you're wasting what God's given you. I mean, go be a big brother or a big sister. Carissa could tell you all about that. Talk to her. She loves when people surround her and talk to her. So go do that. As she slinks down behind Drew. It reminds me of a book that I used to read as a child. It was a real page turner. It was called The Little Red Hen. Man, you want to talk about some lessons, man. Look at kids' books. How many of you guys are familiar with The Little Red Hen? Put your hand in the air. Let me see. Man, you want to talk about an amazing piece of literature right there. That's a, you got the Bible. Sports encyclopedias and then, and then uh, Little Red Hen. I mean, that's how impacting it is, right? I'm just kidding. It's not close to the Bible. It's a joke. But there's a great lesson in here. So the Little Red Hen lives with a cat, a dog, and a mouse. I don't know how it works. You would think that the cat eats the mouse and the dog eats the cat, but it doesn't happen, right? Because they're all too lazy. They're all laying around, and the hen takes care of everything, right? And she's like, hey, who will help me clean up? And they're like, not I, not I, not I. Over and over and over again, right? You guys know the story? One day she finds some wheat. And she cuts it down and she says, who will help me grind this wheat in the flour? Everybody's like, nope, not me, not me, not me. Who will help me shuck it? I don't know what you got to do to wheat to make bread, but there's stuff. There's a process, right? I'm not Martha Stewart. I'm not hanging out with Snoop Dogg on the weekends. What are you talking about? I don't know. But 
Then she's like, well, who's going to take this to the miller to get a ground? They're like, not me, not me, not me. So she does it. Then she brings back the flour. She's like, who will help me bake a cake? And they're like, not me, not me, not me. Then she bakes the cake, and she's like, who will help me eat the cake? And they're all like, I'm in. Let me do that. That sounds like a job for me. And she eats it in front of them as they all watch in horror as she eats the entire thing because roosters and hens should not eat whole cakes by themselves. We forget about what it probably did to her. That... But so often we're like the cat, the dog, and the mouse. We don't want to lift a finger to help, but we want the benefits of what's happening, especially in the setting of church. God's called us to a higher standard within the church and outside the church walls that we would use whatever gifts and abilities we have to impact the world around us. Don't just wait for the benefit. Be a part of the process. It's so much better. Okay, PT, you sold me. What, how do I get started? How do I become a great servant? I am glad you asked that question. Good job. I'm going to talk to you. And this is a phrase that I've been sharing with, with kid, teenagers and people for, for, for probably close to decades now. All you got to be is fat. Fat. Where were you going? We're like, we're going to eat? No. Fat. Faithful, available, and teachable. You want to be great? Be fat. <laughs> this doesn't sound like a healthy sermon. What do I mean by that? Let's talk about them. Faithful. Let's talk about being faithful. There's just something about that person who's just always there, always willing to do whatever it takes. Like my friend Bessie Mackey over here, or Becky Massey, whichever you want to call her. I'm leaning towards Bessie Mackey lately. Always, always, just constant. Just, I'm here. You need me? I'm here. You need help? I'm here. You need the cafe to be run? I'll run the cafe. That's what she does. That's who she is. That's what, that's what being faithful is all about. You say, I don't have a whole lot of gifts or abilities, but I can be there and I can do whatever you need me to do. Let me tell you something. Heaven will be made up of the most faithful people, not the most flashy. That's another one that you, could, you can tweet her. Heaven will be made up of the most faithful people, not the most flashy. Heaven will be made up of the Jerry Hofliches of the world. I am standing on Jerry's work right here. When I first got here, he led a group of guys. There was a wall here right before I started coming here. How many of you guys knew there was a wall here? The sanctuary was, there was a wall here and the stage was half the size as it is. And Jerry and a group of men every day, oh, that's not true because Linda was here too. It was a group of ladies and men. I saw Linda here too. They wouldn't let me do anything, just hold stuff. But whatever. They knew what was up. But they did. They, they tore this wall down because they knew on the other side of the wall was people waiting to give their life to the Lord. So they saw the vision, and they rebuilt everything, built the stage. Jerry would work it to noon every day. He could be in the middle of driving a nail, and if the clock hit noon, he's like, stop, we'll finish that nail tomorrow, let's roll. And day in and day out, worked so hard to get this what it is. Now we've got Chad Salee doing the same exact thing over there. 
They, they helped him and Monty and, 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 all their, and all the people on the team all, all put together a, a room for moms who, who need a place to nurse their child. Did that. Now we're making new office space. Chad's coming in and work, and instead of going to work, he's doing that. And he has to even put up with Trevor in the middle of it trying to help him. <laughs> Trevor's like three steps above me. That ought to tell you. No, Trevor's awesome. He's doing a good job. Trevor's a good dude. Heaven's going to be made up of people like that. It's not going to be made up of the Kim Kardashians of the world. Especially young people. Listen to me. When you're looking for somebody to emulate, don't. Do you know what emulate means? When you're looking, I knew it. Like some of you are like, no, you're going to have to bring that down a little bit, PT. <laughs> when you're looking for someone to be like, don't be like somebody you're seeing on TV. Be like people you're seeing in church. Be like people, be like a Randy Dobbins who knows how to pray the house down. Be that guy. Be a Wes Jones who will do whatever it takes. Be a Tyler Stribe who will do whatever it takes to make something happen in a place. Be a Debbie Howling who's ready and willing to bless people any chance she gets and, and, and by what, whatever it looks like. Be that person. Be that person. Don't be the people you see on TV. They got no business being there. It just draws a crowd. That's it. But heaven will be made up of the most flashy people. No, wrong. Strike that. Reverse it. It'll be made up of the most faithful people, not the most flashy people. You know what I meant. <laughs> Sometimes I, I, get, I get a little flip-flop. That's my bad. Blame the head trauma on that. Next one is available. The Bible says be ready in season and out of season, because you never know what may arise, right? We talked last week, we had this moment, we talked about uh, the book of Isaiah, where Isaiah is in the temple, and he sees the Lord, and the train of his robe fills the temple, and he's high and lifted up, and he says, woe is me, for I'm undone, I'm a man of unclean lips, right? And what, and what does God say? He says, who can we send, and who will go for us? And Isaiah puts his hand up he says here am i lord send me do you know what didn't happen after that oh isaiah raised his hand do we got anybody else isaiah i mean he's cool good dude but i just don't know if that's who we want repping us right now do we got anybody else anybody else a little more qualified doesn't seem like he's real qualified do we got anybody else that that may maybe has it together a little bit more he doesn't quite have it together he didn't do that. As soon as he proclaimed, here am I, send me, he said, okay, now you go. He anointed him, and he sent him out to do what he was called to do. When you answer the call, here am I, send me, God's not looking for a better alternative. He's looking to use you. Not the person sitting beside you, not the people sitting around you. I'm talking to you. Do you hear me? God's not looking for a better option than you. He is looking for you. So if you want to be used by him, make yourself available for him to use. Amen? Teachable. I could preach on this one for a month and a half. Don't you hate when you're trying to teach somebody something and they and they like they they just not it's not pfft. you're like I clearly know more about this than you by a lot but they're not listening. You ever been there? 
If you have never been there, it's probably you that I'm talking about then. <laughs> right? It's probably you. Sorry. No, I've never experienced that, PT. I know more than most people. Yep, you're the guy I'm talking about. It was the worst when I was coaching. And I'll tell you this. I'll tell you what I mean by that here in a second. If you're not teachable, you have absolutely nothing. I believe that to be absolutely true. I remember times when I coached baseball or football, and, and I would tell a player something they needed to do to get better, and you know what they would say to me? I know. <laughs> Fire shooting out of my bald head. Like, if you knew, then do it! Don't tell me you know. You don't know. You're not doing it. What are you talking about? Oh, man, that one irked me. Mm, almost needed counseling over that. You don't know. Be teachable. You should be able to learn something from anybody you come into contact with. Sometimes it's learning what not to do, but you still learned, right? Yeah. So what does a great servant look like? I'm going to throw these out and then we're out of here, okay? Great servant is proactive. If you see something that needs done, do it. Where's Ben Barry at? Ben Barry, that's you, dude. You are the most proactive human I've ever met in my life. That guy is, is showing me things. He's like, yeah, this needs done. I just did it. Thank you so much. All I need you to do is sign off that it's okay. Yes, I sign off. All right, it's done. I love having Ben Berries running around here. That dude is, is, I would say he's worth his weight in gold, but he only weighs like 85 pounds, so he's worth my weight in gold, which is significantly more. <laughs> Significant. Be proactive, man. If you see something needs done, do it. A great servant has no sense of entitlement. If, if, if somebody's calling you or asking you to step into something and you're, and you're thinking to yourself, well, how does this benefit me? That's not great servanthood. That is, that is an employee. And you're not God's employee. You're his kid. And you don't serve because you're going to get something. You serve because he gave you his life and breathed the fresh breath of life into you. We serve out of a grateful heart. Amen? No sense of entitlement. I remember... Uh, Back in the day, there was a, a pastor that I, that um, really impactful in my life. His name was Ross Wiseman. Anybody met Ross Wiseman before? Yeah, everybody knows who he is. That dude's awesome. He's preaching right now in Georgia, right now preaching his guts out, I guarantee it. But one time, I remember I, I was sitting in his office, and he was telling me about the time he called this kid. He's like, and this kid was not good at doing things. You know what I'm saying? Just like to not do stuff. And he called this teenager. He's like, hey, listen. Your neighbor across the street goes to our church. He had surgery, and he, and, and he needs his driveway shoveled. I need you to go and drive it. And he goes, well, how much am I getting paid? He goes, boy, if you don't go over there and do it, I'm going to come over there and pay you with something. <laughs> He's like, you ain't getting nothing. You're just doing it because the Lord told you to serve. He's like, okay, yes, Pastor Ross, I'll do it. He's like, that's what I thought. <laughs> Pastor Ross had a, a boldness I have, have yet to develop yet, so... We should be proactive. We should not have a sense of entitlement. How is this going to benefit me? That's not what God calls us to. A great servant understands the big picture. What do I mean by that? Again, when you serve in a church setting, you're not serving the pastor. You're serving the Lord. When you serve in a school setting, you're not serving the principal. You're serving the Lord. When you coach a baseball team, a little league team, you're not serving the league president. You're serving the Lord. If we do everything that we do as unto the Lord, I promise your cha it'll, it'll change the way you look at everything, right? 
So it, you got to understand the big picture. What's the next one? Uh, a great servant has the right motives. I'll just say this and I'll move on. You can do the right thing for the wrong reason. And we should try not to do that. Fair enough? All right. Worship team, you can go ahead and make your way up here. Finally, and this one is absolutely huge, a great servant serves with integrity. I'm going to tell you something. It takes years and years and years to build a great reputation and a great name. It takes seconds to ruin it. Right? If we walk in integrity in everything that we do, we'll be pleasing in the eyes of the Lord. We tell the truth because God told us to, not because it's easier to remember the truth than a lie. We do the little things right because that's what God calls us to, not because people are watching. Right? If we walk in integrity, there's no end to what God can do in us and through us because God loves a pure heart, a pure action, and a pure motive. So if we're going to be who God's called us to be, and we're going to step into this calling of being a great servant, we've got to walk in our integrity. There was a guy who just, and, and I know that none of us really like him, but I think it bears mentioning. Um, There's a guy who just had a major thing happen, and that is, uh, that is Aaron Judge just hit 62 home runs this baseball season. We all hate the Yankees, right? Agreed? Yeah. But do you know so many people are talking about how amazing that moment was, but they forget there was a guy named Barry Bonds who hit over 70 about a decade before that. Why? Why did they forget it? It was his lack of integrity where he was found to, be, to have been using steroids. And though he did this amazing thing, nobody sees it as worth anything because he was cheating. And so there's an asterisk by his name, right? Because of his lack of integrity, there's an asterisk by his name. And he's forgotten when, he, when, when, when the greats are mentioned, right? And here's what I don't want. I don't want my life to be done in such a way that I did amazing things for the Lord. But when I got into heaven... And when people remember my name, there's an asterisk beside it because I chose to walk in a lack of integrity. Despite what I did and despite the things that I was able to do for the Lord, there's an asterisk by my name because I chose to walk outside of integrity. I don't ever want to live that life. You don't ever want to live that life. You want to walk in integrity in everything that you do. Scripture says, I will walk in integrity in all my house because there's a legacy that we're trying to build a group of followers of Jesus that did it right. That's what it's all about. We did it right in a church setting. We did it right in the public. We did it right in our kids' school. We did it right at work. We did it right everywhere we went because God calls us to integrity. Integrity attracts the presence of God. Purity of heart attack, uh, 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 attracts the presence of God. And we want him a part of everything that we do. Amen? So if we're going to be the people that God's called us to be, then we need to follow Jesus' example. Go ahead and stand to your feet. We need to follow Jesus' example. If we're going to be who God's called us to be, 
We need to walk in those things like Jesus did. Jesus deserved the crown and the scepter, but he chose the towel and the basin. We deserve the towel and the basin, but we aspire to the crown and scepter. God has called us to follow his lead. And when we follow his lead, greatness comes out of us and greatness goes into the lives of the people that we serve. So let's be fat, let's be fat. Let's be faithful, available, and teachable. Let's serve with integrity. Let's serve with no sense of entitlement. And let's walk in all that God has in store for us. And if we do that, amazing things are on the horizon for us. Amen? And if you do those things, I'll stop talking about it and move on to something else. And so you're like, okay, PT, what's the opportunities? Well, here's the cool thing. Right after service today, we got Next Steps 45. You've not been through it, you should go through it. We're doing all kinds of things here. We're launching a special needs ministry. We're in process of doing that. After that, probably a medical emergency response team to help deal with medical needs in the building as they happen. Hopefully we don't need it, but you never know. Life groups, we want to start our connect groups up again. I need people who can lead groups. There's all kinds of things for you to do. Be a part of it. And to help you understand what's available out there, before the end of this year, we're going to do a ministry fair. When you walk out of these doors, the director of every ministry, some of you are hearing this for the first time because I kind of decided it last week. So we're just going to do it. God's will be done. When you walk out of these doors, all of our ministry directors are going to, each of them are going to have a table. And you can come and you can hear about what they're doing and how God's using the people in their ministry to impact this church and outside the walls of church as well. We don't need to just keep it here. We need to move outward as well. You can be a part of that. Those are two things that if you are a part of those things, I promise you, we will find a place for you to serve. But also your kid's school, your neighborhood. Give what you got. Don't give more than you have, but give what you have. And watch what God does through it. Amen? So listen, I'm going to pray for you guys. And, uh, and I'm going to dismiss, and we're just going to have a, a time of worship. You can stay and worship as long as you want. Chad will play until his nubby fingers are bloody and n- nothing left, right? You said you would do it. You told me earlier today, right? This is a long time. He didn't say he would do that, but I knew he would. He's a good dude. Next Steps 45 starts in about five minutes. Pastor Dan's going to lead that. Let's be faithful. Let's be available. Let's be teachable. Let's follow the example that Jesus set. Amen? Let me pray. Father, I thank you for each and every person in this room. And I pray that we would be ready and willing to be used by you at a moment's notice. Here in this building, here outside this building, and in the hearts and lives of everybody we come into contact with. I pray that you would pour your Holy Spirit out and that you would anoint us. That we would follow the example of Jesus. That you would pull greatness out of us and greatness out of others. And that we'd be faithful, available, and teachable in everything that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Altars are open. Let's worship God.